0: Hello, and welcome again to another episode of five Plain questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in the community. that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of Canada, the native American programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our indigenous communities from around the region and country. In our final episode of this mini series on education within the Indian Art Plains movement, uh, we're going to talk. A, we're actually going to do a, a roundtable uh, discussion between Inkpa Mani and Gerald Knoyer, both previous guests on the, the podcast. But there were also um, staff members, uh, both with the Oscar House Summer Art Institute and currently with the Northern Plains Summer Art Institute. Uh, Gerald was the director of the program from 1997 through. through 2007, and of course, as I've stated before, I was a student from 93 through 96, and then a staff person from 97 through 2007. Inkbub was a staff person uh, from, I believe, 2019 on. And of course, as um, time moves on and opportunities have come up, um, both individuals uh, or staff people uh, for the Northern Plains Summer Institute, which we started last year, course always meant to be in-person but because of the pandemic uh, year one was basically a zoom conference and of course currently we are uh, well into our second week of the in-person event here at Circle Nation School. So uh, we we talked about uh, a number of of issues pertaining to uh, education, advocacy, uh, the differences in generation of artists past to the current uh, students that are here. And it was a great roundtable discussion, um, it's great insights from uh, individuals at different stages in our careers, and quite insightful, uh, quite enjoyable. And so, uh, it's an hour-long discussion, it is it is rich in material perspective, and it was a lot of fun to do. So, uh you know, as as with uh, round table discussions, and you have larger groups of people. Of course, three isn't a large group of people, but for a small podcast like this, um, you'll you'll sense there is a, a difference in uh, volume between the guests, the microphones, microphones, uh, all the things you run into when you're on location trying to set up a podcast that's not in the studio. Anyways, um, great discussion. Uh, let's just jump into sort of uh, brought back I think for probably for both of us, um, kind of a return to this type of programming again in a sense. I mean we, we started last year again um, but I guess um, I've kind of been reflecting quite a bit on, on I think the importance of the, the deliberateness of teaching youth sort of an intense version of, of a program like this, kind of getting them kick-started into what this world is and what this um, this field that we're all in. I don't know, um, I guess if anyone wants to sort of jump in on any thoughts you have on programs like this and the importance that, that of what, I won't say what we're doing, but things like this are for the youth, especially in Indian country, in our Native American youth. That's a good start. That's a good start. So, uh, around the table here, there's uh, there's um, Inkbo Mani, and Gerald Kanoyer and myself. And yeah, let's let's go around the table and uh, introduce ourselves.
1: Greetings, my relatives. I am his many bears, Gerald Kanoyer.
0: and I'm Joe Williams, the host of this podcast. Uh, both of you are past guests on this, on this series. Uh, Gerald, you were the first guest of the series, and Inkba, you were season one um, August, I think, September. Uh, right in there, though. Um, yeah, so what sort of brings all of us together is we're, we're doing this Summer Art Institute, the Northern Plains Summer Art Institute. Uh, it's a two-week intensive for uh, Native American high school and college-age students. And it's it's modeled after the Oscar Howe Summer Art Institute, which um, is still taking place this year. Uh, it was started by Oscar Howe in the 1960s, continued on by John Day, Robert uh, Alta, Delacruz okay. Penn, in 91. And it's been going uh, for the most part. Um, for. Thirty years now but a program any program is limited in size and resources and a few years back um, we were able to secure the resources to start up a, a second program up in the Fargo-Moorhead area and currently we're in Wahpeton North Dakota at Circle Nation School where they're able to house us and support us to a, a degree
2: so, Gerald, what does a program like this like mean to you? So why why would you want to be involved with something like this?
1: Well, I think the next generation of artists, we've all had our mentors over the years. And I'm starting to read more, do more research on all of like, the Dawes Act and what that meant in these Indian Mission boarding schools when they started, like Carlisle. They wanted uh, the students to be able to go back and be professors and engineers and doctors, and then the Bureau of Indian Affairs said let's uh, let's dial that back a little bit and then let's have let's have them learn trades because they're not our equal. they don't have the mental acuity capacity to be equal to a white person. And what had happened from that point, taking our land, taking our culture, our history, our traditional ways, and we talk about what it means to be an Indian artist. And it's all about communication. And we talk about knowing the history of where these designs came because they're so prevalent. There's all of these designs, geometric designs that have ceremonials that are tied to them. They came in dreams and visions. And the more information that we can give the next generation, the better off they're going to be because they are going to carry that forward. They are gonna be sitting here in 20 years. We're gonna be moving on to another phase in our lives and they're gonna pick this work up. They're gonna say, how did you guys do this? And being a part of that um, I don't want to say legacy, but just being a part continue on continuing on with the work that Oscar was doing and Oscar knew that it was important to teach the next generation. He spoke about the drawing, the process of drawing, and the process of painting and he started small, just like we're doing and bringing along artists and over the years it, it grew and it had a reputation. When we started our our days at Oscar Howe, some of the things that we encountered were left over from, from previous uh, programs where students were just allowed to do anything. They were allowed to stay out late and they were allowed to smoke pot and drink beer and that's not that's not a good program. The institution, the University of South Dakota, came down hard and wanted to get rid of the programming because the the art students were just wild and we had to come in and we had to like clean that up. And then we started to started to see a turnaround at some point. Many of us that were teaching the faculty well had MFAs. And when you do these things, you usually get a couple of staff members that may or may not have a bachelor's degree. But we all made it a point to be at the top of our game. We had to show them the process and we had to show them how to become a professional artist and all of the things that you needed to know. It wasn't just painting, it wasn't just drawing or printmaking or ceramics or whatever you were doing. You had to know your history, knowing who you are and where you come from, who your people are, what these designs mean. So there's a lot of a lot of work that goes into it. A lot of reading, writing, research, and to pass that on to the next generation. We talk about that oral history and now we have to record things. We have to make sure the next generation can see, listen, and be a part of it. And so we're in a way we're mentoring we are mentoring we're seeing the the students that we had received their MFA and now they are coming back as instructors and then we're seeing the children of some of the kids that that we we mentored through the program and they thought it was they thought it was a good enough program for their children to go to and from that I want to learn more I want to be more than a mentor I want to be able to come back and jump in and teach a drawing or a painting or this year I'm, I'm teaching the art history and I'm trying to connect w- with these children going all the way back to this early petroglyph art this rock art these carvings and then relaying relating that to what happened with the designs from coming off the wall and then being made on hides and skins and then being made onto the teepee and then from there going to that prison art and how that shaped this ledger art movement and then from there we get into the schools and how those students went through the University of Oklahoma, Bacon College, the studio, Institute of American Indian Arts and then what we have today all across the country people are going off getting their master's degree in fine arts and they know it's not all about them. It's about that next generation. When we lived together communally, it was about the, the safety, their safety in numbers. And so what we taught from one generation to the next was about safety, was about becoming that person, that, that young adult, becoming a man or a woman and then as you grew older and you you got to that time in in your life when your circle was ending but all of those experience became became that knowledge that that oral tradition that we handed down from generation to generation so we're we're starting something different where we've done videos we've uh, we've c- recorded like this we've been on the radio we're We're just doing things a little bit different than our ancestors did because of the technology. So I look back and I I think of those trader days when the beads replaced the quill work and then silver comes in and all of these different things, these different metals came in and and cups and bowls and plates and all those trader items, Cooking, cooking with metal became a big deal. So, when all of those things happen, it made life maybe just a little bit easier, but also that adaptation from one thing to the next. So that's what we're doing now. I think we're adapting, and we don't have to be so strict and so hard, but when these students start acting out and you know it goes back into something else, you know we we have to look at the students and where they come from and realizing that as a people we're very traumatized. We have that historical trauma that we carry and this next generation of student is the same way. They're carrying this historic trauma and how do we bridge that gap between what they're coming from and, and when they get here. How do we mentor that? So it's good to see that you're smudging in the morning and it settles them down a little bit and they're able to focus a little bit more. So I, I see those things happening, and I want to make sure that these students are taken care of, first and foremost. And that we can help them in any way, shape, or form. Not all are going to be artists, but I think we have a, a portion in there where we show that you must be resilient, and you must, you must have the fortitude to, to keep going in your education. And as you're, you're moving down the road, you can look back fondly and say, you know, that, that art program really kind of brought some cultural things out, things that I didn't think about before, and, you know, maybe I'd like to send my child there when, when the time is, is right, so that's what I'm, I'm doing here, and I hope that uh, I can continue to be a mentor, not a role model, a mentor. <laughs> 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 How
0: about you think, Bob? brought you to this program.
2: Um, I think for me, it's just a passion for teaching um when I was with Oscar howe like that's actually when i when I first went to college, I didn't really have a direction of where where I wanted to be, and the more I kept interacting with my professors, I kind of started to to shape that for myself that I wanted to be an instructor, I love to learn, but then not only that, giving it back to my community um I felt really fortunate to go to university as a first generation student. Um, first, you know, to go to a university in my family, and I, f- I felt really proud about that. But then, I thought about you know, all of the students back home who maybe didn't have that, who aren't, or who didn't have that opportunity, or don't have that opportunity currently. Um, so as soon as I graduated from USD, you know, I was involved the Oscar Howe program, and I really loved teaching and. Just seeing how enthusiastic, you know, these students were about wanting to learn, you know, if they didn't have a cultural background or if they did, just that little bit of information that we're able to to offer them really does change um, their whole summer. Maybe things aren't always OK at home or maybe they just don't have any any guidance, just being able to provide something um, like Gerald is talking about, you know, that boarding school system really disrupted a lot of our life ways. And these are things, you know, that have been handed down for over 10,000 years, and then all of a sudden people aren't allowed to be parents. You don't have parents who raise you, and then that disrupts um, this chain, this unbroken chain. Um, so if we're able to just to provide an opportunity for education in these um, arts and different ways and different ways of thinking of it, I think is really valuable. Um, what brought to me through this is just, the opportunity to teach. Um, some of my favorite artists are are teachers. you know they they're constantly working with these principles, these these foundations of art, of drawing, um, thinking, reading um, and I think that makes their work better. Um, so I'm always thinking about those those people who teach like Oscar Howe and what he's doing, or what he did at the time, you know, to help that keep going. Um, and it's a pretty cool experience being here with the students there they have a whole different outlook than even you know we're only separated by a couple years um, some you know someone older than Benymi, but <laughs> you know just that that difference in these generation um, it's pretty cool to see even just within my time my, um, time frame it's already starting to shift again and if we can give them the tools of you know, to be good artists or to be good people, even just like smudging every morning, those are those are things that they can take to the rest of their, for the rest of their lives.
0: As <clears throat> one of those students that that was in the Oscar Hall program back in the '90s uh, during those wild days, you know, because um, I was in the dorm rooms when uh, a lot of that stuff was going on, and it got pretty intense, you know. But we also had that reputation within the other programs that we were the bad students. And so we couldn't play our music without, you know, three security people at our door, you know, assuming the worst was going on. But most of the time we were just hanging out, joking, you know, maybe the music was a little loud but we were all drawing or what it not. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it got to a point, I think it was 96, um, one of the reps from the upper Bound program came in to lecture us and I remember they had uh, John Day. He was in there too, and he was pretty worked up because um, again, we had gotten in trouble several nights in a row, and this is multiple years in a row. Um, and you know, I think John Day recognized the the talent, I suppose, lack for a better word, um, the hard work and the dedication the students had, but we didn't have personal guidance. You know, they and and the program that was set up by him. I ask her how before him. It's a solid concept, you know, to teach fundamentals, to teach a connection to the art history, um, that lineage, that where we fit within all of this. This well, really, a short history from the ledger art days uh, up until now. Um, you know, it was important for that connection to be made. But outside of the classroom, then we were sort of left to go off and do what we, we wanted to do. And I remember the lead um, instructors at that time were they, were, they were Native American men but they were older. They're, they didn't have that connection with us. You know, they all seemed like they were uncles or, or, there just wasn't that connection. And the counselors at the time were uh, for the most part non-native college kids who were just, they were putting in their work study. Uh, at times And they were, they were great people, but they didn't have that connection with us. So when, when we were done in the classroom, done meeting, we were on our own, you know. And when we had this meeting and it was 96, and it sort of blew up in everybody's face because uh, the students weren't having it, we didn't want to be lectured to. Um, and I think the next year, uh, I had become a counselor, another student had become a counselor, and we were just far too young to be trying to lead these students because we were the same age as, I mean, we were students with these other students before the year before, and of course the other kids were looking at us like, well, why are you guys in charge of us now, you know, like all of a sudden you guys are in authority over us when you were doing all the stuff that we were doing last year with us, you know, and so they saw the hypocrisy in that, but also the tough position we were in because we were trying to be responsible. Anyways, um, That's when, Gerald, you were brought into the program. You were, um, you were older than us. But you weren't so much older than us where we couldn't connect with you. Because I think you were in your late 20s still, at that point. Early 30s maybe? I don't know. Maybe early 30s. Maybe early 30s. And so I think that was sort of, at that point, the the beginning of the program really coming together for about 10 years then. Because from 97 to 2007, basically it was the same crew running the show. Every now and then there would be a different... An instructor coming in or not. But I think that was sort of the magic of that program then for, from about 97 to 2007, um, having the right person leading the, the staff and the students at that point. Um, I can't speak for the program afterwards uh, because in 2007 was the whole cruise last year. John Day was gone, a new dean came in. I think the program didn't even happen the next year. I, I don't remember, or I guess I don't know. Um, but then it came back and of course it's doing f- uh, programmi- pro- programmatically well, it's, it's doing I think fairly well. Um, but you know, things have shifted and things have changed a little bit That is, didn't run the same way that we ran it back in the day. And I think that's sort of what we're trying to carry on with, with what we're doing here. Um, I think we're sort of picking up where we left off, and really we had conversations back then on how we wanted to improve that program, to expand it longer, to shift maybe some of the the, the topics and the things that we worked on, um, yeah. So this program, its in, technically it's in its second year, but it's the first year we're all together, so it kind of feels like a first year, regardless. even though we did it last year. But no, I think we've got a good mix here, you know, we have, of course, you from, from the previous program you know we have young inkpa you know who is uh, not the age of the kids you know so you're sort of in that that middle ground between um you're young enough to connect with them you know but you're you're not quite like the old guys like us now you know <laughs> so yeah um,
1: I like to look at the art that's being made, that was being made, and that will be made. And I want to know that it has a spiritual grounding. There's color relationships, and everything has a symbolic meaning. So when I talk about that with today's kids, they're all into anime, or they're into comic books, or they're into something that we years ago my generation we weren't we just didn't have that it wasn't like we don't have the internet we didn't have the internet back then and just so many things that you can look up so much quicker the information is so fast today and long ago uh, if you went to sweat lodge would you know what that was about so answering those questions all of the why questions, why did we do this, why did we do that, learning the answers and then handing that off to the next generation and saying, you need to teach this. This has a steep, steep spiritual meaning, and these are the things that go with this. Uh, there are songs, there are things that you bring out only in very specific times, certain times, and." being able to teach that and being able to see people like oh my gosh i didn't know that you know having that aha moment and now we're starting to see with the the students they're starting to ask a question they're starting to put things together and when you ask them a question they have an answer and they're starting to get the meaning of some of the things that that they're looking at that are created of. 150 years ago. So everything has a meaning. Everything has a spiritual connection because you were always walking in balance and we walk right by this duck on campus. It's right outside the door. And are we paying attention to what that duck is doing? Are we watching and being observant and allowing nature to interact with us? And I think for a long time, the, that part of our, of, our, of our being, the way we interacted with nature, was interrupted. And so we would follow the buffalo, and we were put on a, a reservation, so we became sedentary. Following that buffalo, there were all of these teachings there. It was our shelter, it was our food, it was our clothing, and we had ceremonials and the things that we do when the buffalo circle up for because of danger the the young and the the female buffalo will go in a clockwise circle and then the young bulls and the old bulls will come out and go counterclockwise for protection and we use that in our our pow-wows dancing so everything has a connection and people just don't know and so when you make that connection Again, you see that, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Another aha moment. And they can take that knowledge and they can teach that to someone else.
2: With with that connection, um, one of the ways that I've already started to see that is um, for the program, one of our goals is not only to teach them, but for them also to learn like these, these relationship-building devices. So you receive something, but you're also giving something back. And that's how we build relationships is that back and forth synergy. Um, So the way we're doing that this year is we're we're making a mural on a basketball court. And so, you know, we went through the first part and it got rained out all our chalk lines. We had it nicely gridded. (laughs) It was so nice. (laughs) But, you know, and Mother Nature decided to come in and we just have to accept that as it is. But the cool part is that, you know, next day or yeah, the following um, day, then we ha- we came back in and okay, we said, well, we have to start all over again. We drew all our lines. Where do we go from here? So then we broke up into teams and we started drawing out these lines and it was cool to watch them just, you know, take ownership of that and start doing it. But the cool interaction, like Gerald was saying, like this relationship between land and um, our ancestors and who we are today was when they were mapping out where the colors were going to be they weren't talking you know just like they obviously they were using like the color elements but they were talking about land with these abstract shapes they said let's put all of these blue shapes together close by because that's what happens with lakes lakes are near to each other then let's have these larger green spaces together because that's what it looks like here. You know, we have large open prairies. And let's put just this sliver right here because that's what, you know, a tree line might look like. So it was cool just for me, like, to see these students talk about these abstract shapes that were just laying down on the basketball court and relationship with land. And, you know, that's not something that we instructed them to do, but I think they were able to look at, like... Um, the arts and art history and how gerald was talking about all of these things had a place all of these things reflected our world and then here you have you know students who have um never been told to do something like this but innately have that ability to say these are how i observe the world i'm going to implement like this and that um they might not be the colors that you know our beadwork or our, our hide paintings would be but it's still so much who we are it's it's Indian art to its fullest extent when they just that little action really just changed how that mural looked like to me. It was community driven. It was action based. It was um, it was laughter. It was it was all of that. It was all rolled up into a simple mural, which I think it's cool. And then we're giving that back to the students here. You know, it can be hard to go to an Indian school, you know, away from your parents or your siblings, um, whatever you're dealing with life. But hopefully they're going to be able to see that within the mural. You know, we spend our time, we spend our energies into that. And hopefully they're able to take that back into themselves and help them along as well. The
0: last week when I was teaching um, drawing, or two weeks ago now, um, I was struck by the difference. And maybe it's just me being older now, you know. But <clears throat> back when, when we were teaching before, um, it seemed like... Students were a little different back then, maybe when I was a kid, too. Um, now it seems like there, there seems to be a stronger knowledge base with these young ones. Uh, they don't get the pop culture references that we throw out there, which is understandable.
2: I, uh, I still don't either. <laughs> <laughs> we'll explain Mr. T a little more
0: later. <laughs> but um, the, there's a conscientiousness there that is, is rather impressive, you know. Uh, that I don't think we had when I was going through. Maybe we were just more um, a little more uh, selfish or, you know, self-focused. Gen Xers, we were more uh, sad about ourselves than anything else. Uh, but no, um, but, it, you know, what impresses me is, like, the language, you know. Uh, my dad didn't teach me the language quite like um, I wish I would have known. But I understand now that he didn't because he was abused by the nuns at Tegawitha Orphanage in Sisseton. And all of his siblings and that whole generation, like those nuns beat the language out of them. And um, before his passing, uh, we actually did some recordings uh, for this podcast. And there's a story that he shared with me that uh, will really drive that home. Um, but that was a shared experience in that generation. And I think there's a whole generation or two of us from the mid 20th century where we don't speak the language like uh, those before us but those who after us now do. Because uh, I know, I, I think believe, I believe Bezina they teach Dakota language from kindergarten through high school. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very um, intentional program. And it's, it's taking back um, our culture and the control of our culture that really was initiated and organized by the Dawes Act, you know the Dawes Act worked. It was set up and it, it did exactly what it was supposed to do—to take from us. The BIA um, is doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing and making things difficult for us. And so, it's—it's it's about us taking control of our culture and our identity back, and it's through means um, that's driven by us. By these programs, you know what Oscar Howe did, and what we're doing now. Um, We're not waiting for the government to save us, because the government's doing exactly what they've been set up to do. You know, and and I'm not. I'm not trying to say you know the government's trying to keep us down, but there were programs created by flawed men that, um, you know, it's it's making us feel like we are nothing more than apprentices to. Uh, technical masters um, doing different things that's why Oscar Howe was not allowed to be in the art building at USD in the 1960s and 70s he was forced to teach downtown uh, while he had a brand new art school uh, right you know the north side of campus there and there's examples of that all along the way Um, even even recently you know I mean we've we've had a fight to have a place at the table but I feel like this younger generation and rightfully so don't need to ask for a place at the table they just go and they sit there and they they share what they feel in their knowledge i think that's
2: a great thing one of the things that i think about this program too is like for there's so much to learn you know being native people you have to, there's so much that you're dealing with you're learning native art history you're looking prehistorically you're like in traditional and then maybe the church era and boarding school era and then um aim era and then all of these different eras we you know, there's you know it's, it keeps happening in different ways that it, it seems like something is trying to take or something is trying to restrict us but it's cool to see these students and think about like where are they gonna go with this um and what, what are we what do we have to offer that they're going to also, you know, carry on in life? It's, it's kind of a big responsibility, like, just thinking about it right now, like, it's, that's a lot of, a lot to think about, but having a program like this is important because who else would teach something like this, you know, without Oscar, how, how many artists that we know today wouldn't have succeeded you know how many artists wouldn't be part of the conversations of American art history, not only just Native art history, but just American history. You know, um, so the the seeds that we're planting now, you know, they're gonna fruit, and they're they're gonna grow and to be mature and wherever they go. It's that's a cool, cool responsibility and a cool, um, outlook. Um, just where all of this is gonna lead to, you know, we're gonna grow and there's going to be different people involved and that's again it's going to shape the landscape um, of this region Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota maybe the whole United States art scene we're going to keep building on it and seeing where it goes and supporting where we can um, the art game can be competitive it can be um, it can be a lot of things but we get to decide you know for this two weeks what it looks like for them
1: I, I really enjoy what I do
2: as an instructor
1: in all of my experiences, from working with little kids to working with the middle school and the high school, and then working with adults. I enjoy teaching. And as I age, I look more to the future, what my future role will be. Uh, young guys like Ingpa that can take what he's learned and pass that knowledge down. And then you have people like Joe, who is doing the coordinating, the directing, and getting everything ready on that end. And then for me, this education never stops. So working on this degree in philanthropy and fundraising so that we can have the money that that we need when we start putting these camps on we don't need to stop here. We don't need to stop just with with some high school students. What we did at the Oscar House was we went in to the colleges and we started getting these kids from IAIA and some community college, some Tyro College, and they came and they got to show what the students what what they were learning, what they learned as students in this two weeks and they came together a couple of times with the younger students and said, this is what I'm working on. This is where this comes. I do all of this research. We write about this stuff and we throw ideas back and forth to each other in the other room. And they showed what they're able to do, how they approach something with all of these skills that they learned over the years. That portion that portion is for these younger guys to connect. So once you make that connection, then as you move in your life around that circle, you're able to see what what you can offer at the next level when you're starting to get to a point where uh, maybe you're moving out of the classroom and then you move into another area where you can help out. for me, I think that's, that's my legacy, will be I, I did these things, I helped out in the classroom, I helped get these things going and then I want to be able to help with the funding piece because that seems to be the hardest part. So we can have all these great ideas, we can, we can show, we can demonstrate what the possibilities are and then the last portion is to get that funding knowing where to go to get that funding, who you can call on, and the networking that you do to create that capital so that these, these programs can be highly successful. So I appreciate everybody's efforts. You know, It's, it's that cook, it's that person that's doing the security, it's the people that, that clean up. It's everybody does their part in this whole, it's a machine, so everybody does their part. If one part is lacking, then the vehicle doesn't go down the road. So we all have a part to play, whatever that is, and people will fill in wherever they need to to ensure the sc- success of the program each and every year. And that's something that you learn. You can't teach that. It's something that you have to learn over over time and experience. And it's like when you're... When you're sun dancing or you're going through all of these different things in your life and people come to you and they ask you to say a prayer in front of 100 people or 200 people and they bring you a spirit plate and they say, can you pray for us? That's an honor and those are some things that you work for. And so now people come to me and I guess I'm getting older now. <laughs> They're looking for an elder in the room. Said, they come to me and say, Gerald, can you help us? We need an elder. I, said, I, I can find you an elder. <laughs> <laughs> They're talking about me, so <laughs> no, recognizing me. No, it. <laughs> you're still a young man.
0: <laughs> so I think, you know, as as we're talking here, um, And thinking about some of the things that we've talked about this week I think it's also important to acknowledge that you know as as we do work with the youth and we sort of push forward in programs we also have a responsibility to the community and it's it's guiding maybe guiding I don't know what the right word is but avoiding the pitfalls that have happened in the last, you know, say, 30 years, you know, and it's it's easy to see like in the political ring, the tribal politics. It's always the joke back home, you know, you get your get your cousin on, on council, you know, and the family's good. And you see that in different organizations, different schools, you get these toxic leaders that come into play there, and they're in it for themselves, or they have a very narrow agenda that fits only them or their cronies. and. It destroys organizations, and I think it's important that as those of us who are working with youth, that we—I don't know how to do this, but um, or how to implement this—but guide them in a way that is healthy and community-focused, and, and to be looking to holding the door behind you as you move through that door. You know, because then you, you become a gatekeeper. You know, and then you're not helping anyone else; you're self-promoting. Um, so, yeah, that's, um, that's something that's on my mind, too, you know. Uh, as someone who does the work that I do, you know, how do I make opportunities for other people and not make it about myself, you know, uh, with these exhibitions and, and the different programs? Allowing yourself to step aside and let that person have their moment to, to eventually build on from, from that experience. And I think that's, I think that's a very important... Lesson to be learned for a lot of people, as as they start becoming successful, making opportunities for for those um, not as far down the road as as I am or you are, you know. Um, but yeah, and it's unfortunate because I know in Indian country, there's a lot of stories of of it's like the prerequisite uh, of being on a council is. Doing some time in jail, you know. <laughs> you know, it's a uh, hey. You know, he was on. He was on. Uh, he was a district uh, chair. He's a district council person. Did three years for you know embezzling, and now he's good to go for council. <laughs> Let's get him on, you know. And it's every all over the place. You you always run into that, you know. And it's unfortunate because it. it I think, at the end of the day, it slows our progress down. You know, instead of taking three steps forward, selfish acts like that keep us at one step forward at a time instead of, you know, multiple.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And and I joke about, you know, travel politics, but I think it's something that, I think it doesn't matter what reservation you're from, we can all relate. As soon as I talk about that, we can all think of that, you know, of of that one individual or those two individuals that have done that. So I don't know. I think, I think we need to be intentional in our planning, you know, and, and supporting each other. And that's, that's some of the conversations I have with a lot of the artists uh, on this program, is that they take a lot of heat as they make steps um, in the art world. You know, they, they move into galleries or they, they get agents. You know, and, and Those who maybe aren't at their level of success, however you measure that, they get a little jealous. And they say, well, why does that person get to do that? You know, why do they have that you know, and not me? And it turns into a sort of like a crabs in the bucket kind of mentality, when in fact a lot of those individuals who are doing well, they kind of ha- sometimes maybe have a, the responsibility of taking that heat, so they can normalize that success for other people. You know, um, I I always encourage people not to be, don't worry about being being the first person to be to doing this or the first person to to be recognized as that. Just be the person that's doing it. You know, I think it's just important for someone who's showing at a place or having a certain level of success. It's just important to be the hundredth person doing it as it is the the first or the first dozen people doing it because you're doing it. You know, you're showing up and doing the work.
2: One of the things that reminds me of is um one of my uncles, he he always talks about that. Yeah, it's good to pray for things, but you also have to walk it, you know. When when have you walked your prayer? You're asking for something. So, you know, my hope and my prayer for this program is that, you know, it grows and that we were able to create nationally and world um, artists, but then I have to also walk that prayer, you know. I have to help create that. And I think the way that I'm I'm looking at it and I'm I'm reaching for that is always thinking about relationships um or thinking of like our Dakota uh, phrase of Mitaku all of my relations all of my relatives um how are we balancing that off and I just I think about that in like where where am I doing that when I'm t- teaching my students so like if we have a buffalo skull like just having respect for it um and then building on that, like acknowledging, like who who are the people who have taught me, and even using that language, like I think I told Gerald, I think you're my art grandpa, <laughs> and what I meant is like you know he like I learned a lot of things from Keith Braveheart when I was at USD, and and then we're talking with him, like you know he had also learned from Keith or from um, Gerald, and then Gerald had learned from someone, and we can trace to all these people, like we talked earlier, of where we're we're being handed down these things, but even just using that language, like an art grandpa sounds weird, but I like to think about it that way. Cause we're building relationships with people. We're building relationships with these students. And when we go out, you know, into the world, I think there is a need and a want for, you know, that, that family or that kinship system in some form. And people recognize that when they see that, that that's a good thing. That's what people gravitates towards. Um, as Native people, we, we always gravitate towards laughter and family and, and those things. And I think that's good. Like, just let's think about it. How is this a relationship that we're building on? We're helping these students build relationships, whether they come from Wisconsin or Pine Ridge or North Dakota. They're they're building these relationships with each other now. They're building relationships with, you know, established artists or people in museums and if we can foster that then wherever they go they're going to keep doing that with other people so i i've seen inkpa you know interacting with these other people in you know in a good way i've seen inkpa interacting with that buffalo skull you know having respect for it maybe i should do that you know we're we're modeling those things to have good relationships and when that comes to the art world or in their professional life it's my prayer and my hope that they continue to do those things
0: yeah i think um, that's a great point uh, i think that's what was so great about for us working at the oscar hall program and hopefully for this program in the future is we get back together and it was like family again you know mm, yeah. uh, you know we wouldn't see each other for in some cases we wouldn't see each other for a year or so you know and it'd be you and me and tirza and marwin and and um k dog kevin um and john day you know and it was always great getting back in that same room you know when be teasing Tirza about her boxing or you know <laughs> <laughs> you know Kevin about his uh his obsession with um, uh, Shink-a-lay. Yeah, Shink-a-lay, yes <laughs> um, you know those those types of understandings of each other are developed over years of interaction you know it's not just a conference here or a conference there it's it's working with each other and getting to know each other you know and I think that's really that's how we were able to get back together again for this program because we all did that program in the past. This is not a new thing for us you know we're we're not trying to figure it out. It's a different day and it's a it's a different environment but you know i think it's it's a it's something that we've done before. It's family getting back together and making this happen again
2: and I think that's like an element of that indigenous um th- um thought frame or that theory of teaching at what Put- Indian art is we're looking at relationships again like. We're, we're building that, we're helping them establish that, and, yeah, it can go so many ways, and, you know, boarding school got us away from even saying, like, your third cousin isn't your cousin, you know, but if we can just acknowledge, or, you know, if we can introduce that type of language and just normalize it within these camps or wherever we're interacting with, and, like, yeah, I can make anybody my cousin, I can make anybody my uncle, um, not moving away from that nuclear family, set up and that's the only system and expanding that circle wider and wider and seeing you know, who fits within that it, it just helps well, I think looking into the future I think
1: about a portfolio day when we can go across reservations and we can pull together our teachers and art students and we can have a portfolio day and help those students get ready for college, university, art programs. And that's what this is designed to do. And I think back to the old guild where you took these students in when they were young and you taught them how to draw, you taught them how to paint, you taught them how to prepare things, you taught them, you know, we're doing ceramics, we're doing glass blowing, we're doing whatever. But we're, we're teaching them a new skill. And so where they go from here is up to them and if they need guidance, they can turn around. And a lot of our students would ask for letters of recommendation. And they would ask for some guidance on something. And so they always got a hold of us. And you know, it's, it's amazing to see we help students in art, but we help students in life. So not everybody's going to be an artist. Everybody's going to be a productive member of society one way or another, I believe. And that's my hope for our students, whenever they walk in that door, if they choose art that's great. If they don't, you know, we're still going to encourage them, no matter what they do. And I I really like seeing their development, seeing their growth. Some are going off and getting master's degrees, and that's awesome. It'll be interesting when we start to see them coming, and uh, like Joe talked about, you know, it, it's their time, and we know where we're going. You know, we're gonna step away at that point and let them take take this on and see where they take it. Um, it was a big giant step when we brought those college students in, and we did that for one year right at the end, but. It was awesome. I mean, the Oscar Howe never had that before. And we pulled that off and it was great and they received college credit. What's going to happen with this program? I think we can do something similar and I think we can incorporate uh, more tribal art programs and all those partnerships. So as we move on, you know, I, I, I'm excited for the future.
0: Well, um, we're coming up to the hour mark. Um, I just wanted to, to ask you two uh, for any closing thoughts. Engba, we'll start with you.
2: I guess my, my dream for this program is just, you know, kind of being at the stage where Joe and Gerald are in, in being able to see the impact that they've had on all of these people's lives. But I hope that, you know, maybe I get to see a day when one of the students here. You know gets to have a major landmark exhibit somewhere or you know are, are showing in asia you know and they're bringing all the other students with them you know maybe three of those students are showing in asia in a group show and just sharing everything that we've helped and create that's that's kind of my dream for this program and to just see it grow more seeing you know people of of this area see it as, you know, a place that they want to send, like you guys said, their kids to, maybe their grandkids to. That's my dream for that.
1: My dream has always been to watch the next generation of artists grow through college or university or art institute. And then when it's their time, they come back and they want to take over because they had such a good time. So I look at Henry and I look at Keith down at the Oscar Howe this year. They, they took over. That's what this program is supposed to do. So in a sense, you know, I, I feel proud. I, I really do feel proud that these two young guys came, came through the ranks and, and now they're doing it. And they're having an impact on all of these kids and it's awesome. I mean, I just, I felt so proud. So that's what I want to see here.
0: I didn't even think about that at that moment when the four of us were standing next to each other. You know, there was two generations of Oscar Howe uh, right there, you know. And uh, it's, it makes me sad a little bit thinking that, you know, John and Mr. Penn are gone, you know. They were the, the generation before us. Because Robert Penn was mid-40s when he started this program, when I met him, I think he was 44, and I'm 43. And I can't, I, my brain can't accept the fact that he was just a shade older younger than you <laughs> at this point, <laughs> you know? And um, so, you know, I, I they'll always be there, you know, that, that there's going to be a presence that's always there. So, you know, we can say that they were in that room. But, yeah, that moment last week when the four of us were standing next to each other, yeah, that's. I wish I would have been able to appreciate that in the moment, you know. But, you know, they were singing the honor song for those students, you know, and uh, I, was, I was focused on on uh, the accomplishment of, the, of those kids, you know. And uh, I think I think back to when I was their age, and we didn't quite do it quite like 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 how they did the reception there. But I really liked how they did that reception. That was that was really well done. Um, you know but just you know it's kind of exciting to think that at some point one of those kids or one of our kids up here uh, will maybe not this program or or the next program but in their own way you know fostering a place for youth to continue continue on you know what we're doing here but yeah you know well thanks thanks for sitting down and and having this talk gentlemen Um, Else to say <laughs> it's
2: been nice, it was, it was a good conversation. Dokshaki, ah, let's get back to work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Inkba and Gerald for their time and sharing their stories with, with us um, this week. This was a lot of fun. Uh, doing a roundtable is new for this podcast. Um, it's not something, of course, we'll do every week, but uh, this is something I really enjoyed. And I actually wanted to do something like this a few weeks ago when we when I attended this, uh, this discussion on Robert Penn, on his exhibition, um at the Doll Art Center in Rapid City, South Dakota. Uh, a group of, of us got around, we were sharing stories about Mr. Penn, and um, I think that would have been something that would have been wonderful to capture. But, um, you know, um, uh, it wasn't, and, and that's fine. It was for us in the room who knew Mr. Penn. Um, so it's uh, it, it was a great little mini-series, I think, that we did, uh, sort of a change in pace maybe a little insight on myself, but also what is very important to me and I think our community. And that's the focus on educating our young artists, um, to be able to show them that they do have a place within this tradition. And that the lineage between the early artists and them today, and those who are coming after them is not as long and as ancient history as I think it's often thought about uh, the quote that uh, John Day had last week was um, the the birth of Oscar Howe back in the early 20th, 20th century seems like a long time ago from a young person's perspective. I now understand what that uh, quote means 20 years later. So um, so yeah, you know, it's it, this was great. And of course, we will be returning back to normal Um episodes starting next week. During this whole process, we've recorded some uh, interviews with some young counselors and artists, and those will be shared moving forward, but as regular episodes, not as part of this special um, uh, miniseries within this podcast. So that does it. Uh, Inkba, Gerald, thank you so much. More importantly, I want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. So please join us next week as we speak with another incredible person, I'm Joe Williams, you can find me on cana that's C-A-N-A-A, Creativity Online Native American Artists on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, or at the theplainsart.org website. There you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. That being said, uh, the Plains Art Museum right now um, has got something really unique happening. Um, On Friday, we're going to have a reception for these artists, these young artists, with the Northern Plains Summer Art Institute. It's going to be on the third floor of the C4C Gallery, and it's going to be up through September 3rd, I believe. With that said, there are three indigenous exhibitions at the Plains Art Museum. I do, I feel pretty confident saying that this is the first for the museum. That it has three exhibitions in the museum. Now, they're not in the main galleries. Uh, Gallery one has um, an exhibition from our collections, and gallery two and three are closed right now as a new exhibition is coming in. So we don't have the main galleries, unfortunately. But we do have three exhibitions in the museum. Roger Brower, Laura Youngbird and, of course, our Northern Plains Art Institute students. So if you want to see the museum with the, uh, both the, the most that we've had at one time and, I guess, uh, ratio-wise, the most uh, indigenous exhibitions in the museum, uh, now's the time. Uh, um, Roger's exhibition is up until uh, mid-July. Laura's is through, I believe, October. This one is up throughout the summer so it's a good summer at the plains art museum there's a lot of indigenous representation uh, that being said this friday at 11:30 on june 25th uh, 2021 uh, we're having a reception for these young artists if you can make it please come uh, refreshments are being served but it's great to honor these young people who have really taken on this this really intense program it's a big task to leave home to do something that's new is scary Uh, and they've done amazingly well. It's been a great two weeks and we would like you to come and show up and um, celebrate with them. So please do that. Uh, If you have suggestions for someone to interview, uh, please find me at that reception and let me know and I'll be happy to to, uh, reach out to those individuals. Alright, you take care and we will see you next week.